before most of you were born. It's amazing that I preached that message. And so I went through all my paperwork and found that message and tweaked it and so on, and God wouldn't let it leave my mind, and uh, that's the one that I'm going to preach today to try to help you, and maybe uh, 27 years from now, you will still remember this message that I'm preaching today. I remember I preached in a church in McWanago, Wisconsin, into the, in their chapel, they had a Christian school, and I said, uh, I want all of you kids to remember the message that I preached today, and the next time I get here, then uh, I'm going to see how many of you remember. Well, the next year I preached there, and, and uh, about five of the students remembered what I'd preached on a year before that, and so I gave each of them a prize. And then I said, well, who knows, I may preach again uh, here again. Anyway, it went on for the next year, and then almost every student in the whole school remembered what I preached on, and I gave all of them a dollar. And then the next time I was there, it went on four years, and almost every student remembered all four messages that I preached to them the last four years. You know, we can remember things if we want to, and who knows, maybe God will speak to your heart during this message and it'll be a help to you and a blessing to you in your life in the future. Do you know if you take uh, uh, old flour and sugar and vanilla and baking powder and <clears throat> milk and all the ingredients for a cake and you put them all in a bowl and you stir it all up and get it all ready and set it on the table, do you have a cake? No, you sure don't. Because you have to add fire to the cake. You have to cook it in order for it to be any good. And in life, uh, in the Christian life, then you need to have the fire of God upon your life in order to amount to anything for God, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a lady or a gentleman. Heavenly Father, I ask you, please, your Holy Spirit to lead and direct us this morning. Speak to our hearts, meet our spiritual needs. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to gain the things that we need to get from this message today, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You know, God has given us this infallible Word of God. Praise the Lord for the Word of God. We have it. He's also given us men to preach the Word of God and thank God for great preachers around the world. Each of you have your own pastor and so on. And thank God for your preachers that preach the Word. And God has given us members of churches uh, with talents and, and uh, able to do different things and so on. But, uh, you know, you need another ingredient in order to amount to anything for God. You need the fire of God upon your life and in your life. And I pray that you will get this uh, in your heart. Now, of course, the fire of God is uh, the power of the Holy Spirit of God in your heart and in your life, uh, throughout your life. Uh, you know, uh, it's not enough just to follow the manual. You can get the Bible and try to do everything exactly like it says in the Bible, but uh, there's another ingredient that I can't give you. Only God can give it to you. Only God can give you this thing that you really need. Now, it's not, uh, uh, when we desperately need, what we need is the fire of God upon our hearts and upon our lives, and uh, we need it 
in order to be the kind of Christian that we ought to be. When you get married, you need it to be the kind of husband that you ought to be and the kind of wife you ought to be. Uh, whenever you uh, are in the ministry and serving God, you need it to be able to be used of God in your life. You need the fire of God upon your life and the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. Now, I am thankful for my children. I'm thankful, thankful that they live for God. Thankful that they put God first in their life. I praise the Lord for that. But with all that my wife and I have invested in our children, they can do nothing without the fire of God upon their life. They must have the fire of God. Uh, we can, ought to teach them how to get hold of God. We need to learn how to get hold of God. We need to learn how to do that in our prayers. We need to know how, need to, uh, know how to do that in our faithfulness to the Lord. But uh, uh, what will God have to do to you to get your attention so that you're looking to Him? I can't preach a good message without the power of God upon my life. I cannot be used of God without the power of God upon my life. And so we've got to have the power of God. You know, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people got saved that day. Do you know why? Well, if you read the first three or four verses of the chapter 2, you'll find out that the Holy Spirit's power came upon them that day, and God used that. And we think, boy, imagine Peter preached that great message, and wow, God really used him. No, the Holy Spirit of God did that, and he spoke to the hearts of all 3,000 of those people. And it wasn't because Peter was such a great preacher, even though the content of his message was good. It was that the power of God was upon that service that he was preaching that day. Now, if you go to the book of Leviticus chapter 6, verse number 13, and because of time, I'm not going to turn there and so on, but the verse says, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. That was the rule that God gave them, says start this fire and it needs to burn day and night, <clears throat> day and night, day and night and never go out. And we need the fire of God upon our life as a consistent thing throughout our whole life to be what God wants us to be. Well, there was a guy named John Priest. He had a, a family reunion and his um, uncle was 84 years old and came to the family reunion and during the uh, uh, fellowship and so on, he wandered off and went down a hill. Down at the hill, there was a whole bunch of mud, but he didn't know it. And he got stuck in the mud way down at the bottom of the hill. <coughs> and so he hollered out, fire, fire, fire. And man, people up at the, uh, his family reunion heard him and almost all of them came running down the hill to find out where the fire was. They saw that he was stuck in the mud, and they pulled him out. And then his uh, nephew said, Man, you kept hollering. Uh, you were down here, and you were stuck in the mud. Why in the world did you holler, fire, fire, fire? He says, Well, who in the world would have come to help me out if I'd have hollered, Mud, mud? We need the fire of God upon our lives. We need it. And uh, we uh, th these people... Uh, cannot do anything without the power of God. Our children cannot, and you and I cannot either do anything without the power of God on our life. Uh, now, <coughs> in the Bible, fire represented several different things throughout the Bible, and, and one is uh, it represented the presence of God. When Moses at the burning bush, 
Moses, take off your shoes. The place where you're standing is holy ground. And it represented the fire of God in that uh, fire represented God in that bush. Uh, in the word of God, fire represents purity. Purity. God expects you and I to be clean in our lives. And Malachi said that, the, that God was a refining fire. The fire of God can refine us, speak to our hearts, convict our hearts. And that's one of the reasons that we need faithful church attendance because the message you need uh, uh, in your life may be the one that you would have missed and you wouldn't have gotten that thing that God wanted to give you if you weren't there. And so thank God for faithful attendance. But uh, fire is also in the Bible, the protection of God. Uh, the, uh, <coughs> remember, uh, the Lord Jesus God led the children of Israel in the wilderness um, and a fire by night and a cloud by day. But fire was the protection of God watching over the children of Israel. And also in the Bible, uh, the fire of God is the power of God. Fire was the power of God. And um, as Elijah was on Mount Carmel, he said that uh, let the God that answers by fire be God. And then in the fire, I mean in the Bible, uh, God's power is also demonstrated uh, in Acts chapter 2 that cloven tongues like as a fire represented the boldness of God. The boldness, boldness of God. You know, fire in a church, when a church is on fire for the Lord, it's not finances. A church can have a lot of money, and I know I drive by them all the time. These are great, big, huge complexes and so on. They've got rock music and all the kind of junk, you know, and whatever that they have. And, but that does not, just because they have a lot of money and have a big building and whatever, does not represent the power of God. Also, fire is not brains. It's nice to have a lot of brains, nice to be smart, nice to be able to remember things and things like that. But fire is not brains. You can be smart as ever and still die and go to hell without Christ. Though that's not very smart, especially if somebody's told you how to get saved. Fire is also not the personality of an individual. You may have a great personality and everybody may like you and man, you're just outgoing and everything and everybody just loves you, but that's not the power of God. Just having a good personality is not what you need. And uh, facilities are not the power of God. Thank God for the beautiful facilities here at Fairhaven Baptist Church. And they are great facilities. And most people, when they come on the campus, especially the first time, they'll say, wow, this is nice. Had no idea that all of these things were here. <coughs> and people are impressed with the facilities. But that's not the power of God. You know, one of the things about fire that we need to understand is fire has a tendency to go out. We had a fireplace in New York whenever we were there. And we uh, stoked it and so on, got it all going. And, and man, it was nice and toasty in the living room and whatever, but I'd get busy with something and be working on something and whatever, and all of a sudden it was getting cold in there. And what in the world's the matter? And I went over and looked at the fire, and the fire had just gone down. It was just barely just a little bit of coals left in the thing. We didn't take care of it. Uh, fire needs good attention regularly in order to keep from going out. Um, <clears throat> Eric Freiberg was a missionary to India, 
And he had been over there for years and years and years. And he came back and he was at a conference somewhere. And somebody came up to him and he said, I'm a new missionary and I'm going to go to a country as a missionary. And I want you to give me whatever advice would be the best advice that you could give me to go <clears throat> to a mission field. What would you think? And he said, well, the only advice that I could give you that would be good is that a fire has a tendency to go out. You know, when I was on the mission field, he said, I had malaria five times, but never once wanted to come home because I had malaria. There's been some persecution also uh, when I was on the field for many years, the different types of persecution that I had, but persecution never, never made me want to come home from the mission field. But the thing that made me want to come home periodically is when the fire would burn down low and it wouldn't be burning in my soul like it was to start with when I went to the mission field. You know, we have a tendency to get used to a wonderful church like this. We have a tendency to get used to a wonderful college like this. We get used to it and we don't realize that the power of God is here in this church. You see, uh, you know, today where iniquity abounds, the love of many, the Bible says, shall wax cold. Have you become cold in your Christianity? You say, well, good night. I'm a, I go to Fairhaven. What do you mean, am I cold? There's a lot of Christians get cold, even in an atmosphere like Fairhaven Baptist Church. How about your soul winning zeal? Is it cold? Michael Collins was one of our astronauts. He went with them to the moon. But he was not the one that stepped off the lunar module and said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. He wasn't the one that said that. He wasn't even the second one on the moon. Buzz Aldrin was the second one on the moon. He was the one up in the command module. And Michael Collins said, I never sweated a mission like I sweated that one. I had been flying for 17 years, but never have I sweated a mission like that one because I carried the fire for the return of Michael Collins and of, of, of Buzz Aldrin and uh, Neil Armstrong back to earth. He said, I carried the fire for them. Do you know, he said, I was responsible for their lives. The cameras may not have been on me. The encyclopedias won't say much about me. But I was necessary and responsible for those two lives. Do you know, he says, they couldn't have done it without me being there, doing my part. There's a lot of jobs that need to be done in the church. A lot of things. A lot of people work together. I mean, uh, I was uh, out the other day and uh, saw Brother Case and he said, oh man, we got a leak in the boys' dorm water heater. And I said, well, let me see if I can help you. And I went down there. I didn't do much. I would make mainly his gopher. You know what a gopher is. 
go for this and go for that. And he wanted me to turn the water off and turn the water on and so on. I said, okay. And so I, I was doing whatever he wanted me to do. He was doing most of the work. You know, that was not on his schedule. He had a lot of things to do, but that wasn't one of them. Most of you or a lot of you have no idea that that even happened. So hot water's back on. And you're able to take a shower. A few of you had to go over the, to the gym probably and take a couple of showers and so on whenever that was in progress. But, but uh, uh, you know, you may be on the backside of the desert somewhere in your life, but you carry the fire of eternity for somebody in, that you'll meet. Somebody, you influence somebody. If somebody's going to go to hell or go to heaven because you're living for God or you're not living for God. Somebody's going to go to hell or heaven because you spoke to them about Christ or somebody's going to go to hell because you did not obey the Holy Spirit of God when he told you to speak to them about Christ and they'll die and go to hell. God says, don't let the fire go out. God says, keep the fire burning. I wish that the fire burned in the White House in Washington, D.C. But it sure doesn't. I wish that the fire burned in Congress or even the Supreme Court, but it doesn't. I can't do a whole lot about those things, but I can make double sure that the fire does not go out in Roger Vitrell. I meet people every day that are younger than me that are retired that don't do anything. I think, good night. I don't want to spend the rest of my life, whether it's a day or a few years or whatever, not doing anything. And I need to tell people about Jesus up until I die. I remember when Curtis Hudson, the editor of the Sword of the Lord, after John R. Rice, before uh, uh, Shelton, uh, Brother Shelton took it. Uh, well, anyway, he had cancer and he was going to die. And he would, <coughs> every week, every two weeks when it came out, he would tell her what he'd been doing in the hospital the last couple of weeks. And he told about a nurse that came in and he, and he gave her the gospel and led a nurse to Christ. And he did this and he led that person to Christ and was a soul winner all the time while he was in the hospital until he died. And I think that he led somebody to Christ the day before he passed away. And what a blessing, what a blessing. Sometimes we get so caught up in self and doing what we want to do that we don't take care of the things that God wants us to do in our life. You know, you say, preacher, that's a good idea. How do you keep the fire burning in your life? Well, that's a good question. Number one, the altar must be a clean place. The altar must be a clean place. Do you know... Nothing is supposed to defile the altar of God. Now all we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own, own way. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we're sinners saved by grace. And so we need to keep our lives cleaned up. Uh, nothing is supposed to defile the altar of God. Every day you have to clean the altar. Do you know that whenever we had a fireplace in our house, a, a wood burning stove and so on, we had to take care of that thing all the time. Because if it kept burning, it would fill up with ashes. You know what ashes are? Ashes are, uh, uh, I had a scientific definition of what ashes is, but I don't see where it, where it is now. Uh, it's a solid residue of combustion. 
But a better definition is yesterday's fire. Yesterday's fire. Do you know, did you ever eat in a restaurant and they served you the plate of food and you looked on the plate and it had a big splotch of green peas from somebody else's meal that was on the edge of the plate. And you said, waitress, waitress, and she comes over and she says, this plate is not clean. It's got that big, whatever that green stuff right there on the side of the plate. And she says, oh, that won't matter. It's just on the edge. It's not touching your food, so that's no problem. Don't worry about it. And you say, I'm not eating this food off of a dirty plate like this. I'm just not going to do it. And you think God is particular. You think God wants you to be clean. Well, I'm clean enough. I'm better than most of those kids at Fairhaven. That probably pretty much proves that you're not when you have so much pride you think you're better than the other one. Do you know, many of us are living with the ashes on the fire of something that happened 20 or 30 years ago. Now, not you, you're five or six years ago, maybe. That something happened in your life and you're living on that, that accomplishment. Maybe you led somebody to Christ once. And you keep dreaming about that and thinking about that and say, man, that person, they're going to heaven because I led them to Christ. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But you need to stop living yesterday's fire. You need something today. You need to do something for God today. I could spend the rest of the time telling you about great things that have happened in my life. Uh, people that I've led to Christ and churches that i pastored and, and the blessings that God gave us and so on and, and uh, great Sundays that we had and big victories that we had and where uh, 39 people got saved and, uh, and 8 people got baptized and, and so on and all kinds of things I could tell you about. Great things, but hey preacher, what have you done for God recently? What has God done for you recently? What have you been doing for God recently? Uh, well, we need to be about the master's business. I was just out uh, uh, this morning. I went to the barber shop and got a haircut. And uh, uh, he didn't do quite as good a job as he did on Steve. Where's Brother Steve? Uh, oh, back there he is. Yeah, he got a, a little better haircut than I did. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I was talking to this barber about the Lord. I was talking to him about living for Christ and talking about having Jesus in your heart and, and going to heaven when you die and living for eternity and different things like that. He didn't get saved, but guess what? When I got up to go, he said, hey, this one's on me, no charge. Pays to go soul winning. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, just uh, talk to people about Jesus. You don't know what God's going to do. You know, it's amazing. Uh, a few years ago, I found myself and felt that I was getting cold in the ministry. I just wasn't seemed to be, I didn't seem to have much anymore. And so I, and, and what I was doing though is periodically, 
every couple of weeks or two or three weeks, I would go to my big pile of sermons. I had about 3,000 sermons that I'd written. And I'd go through and pick out one that I thought was good and go over it a little bit and preach it again. And I thought, I need to quit that. I need to be fresh. And so I took 3,000 sermons and burned them. That was stupid, stupid, (laughs) stupid, stupid. But I was forced. Now I have about 3,000 again. I'm not going to do that again, by the way. Well, if you make that mistake once, you don't want to make it twice. And so on. But um, I wanted fresh fire is what I wanted. I wanted something fresh in my life so that it it wasn't something that was old. It wasn't something that was repeated. Now, in order to have a good fire, it needs to have continual care. Every morning and every night, the fire needs to be burning. And, uh, you you know, in in, uh, in Alliance, New York, where I pastored, we had an outdoor wood burner that heated the church. But the problem is you had to stoke that thing with a whole bunch of wood about four times a day. Even had to do it late at night and then early in the morning. And so we would take turns as staff members. Uh, one, one week I would take and I would stoke the, stoke the uh, wood burner. We called it the monkey. We called it feed the monkey. And uh, so I'd have to feed the monkey. And so I'd go out and I'd do that and so on. And then some other staff member would do it the next week and so on. We would rotate. Uh, i tell you what, when you forget and you don't stoke it, the fire goes out. And when the fire goes out, it's pretty hard and it takes a lot of hours before it's doing what it did before the fire went out. And it needs continually care, uh, to continual care. And uh, do you know what? Most fires go out in the Christian life with preoccupation of other things that are not bad things necessarily, but getting involved in other things and not what you ought to be involved in. Keep that in mind. Uh, the devil gets you diverted sidetracked, thinking about other things. Uh, Thinking, a little boy said, is when your mouth shuts up and your head keeps talking to itself. In Psalm chapter 39, verse 1 through 3, it talks about it and says, And while I was musing, the fire burned. Musing. That's thinking. Thinking. Thinking is like dying. Everybody's got to do it for themselves. Do you know when you take the word musing and you put an A in front of it, it's amusing. A means without. Musing means thinking. Amusing means without thinking. And that's why they have amusement parks. Because you can go there and spend all day and not think about anything. And you just ride a roller coaster and, ah, you know, after about one of those, you're stupid if you get back on it again, you know, and so on. But, uh, uh, you know, the human brain, uh, the human tongue is only inches from the brain. But listening to some people, you think it'd be miles apart. You know, in in the Bible, the true fire came from the Lord. Every time 
the fire fell, the people shouted and fell on their knees and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Oh, how we need to be on fire uh, for the Lord. Do you know, not everyone in the Bible did right and lived for the Lord and put God first their whole life. Nabed, Nadab and Abihu were a couple of fellows, a couple of people that offered strange fire before the Lord. Strange fire. Numbers chapter 16, if you want to read, read about it. But, you know, it was ashes between the living and the dead won't work. Only living fire. <clears throat> Do you know that in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, that's where Jonathan Edwards preached that message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I understand that people were holding on to the pillars and so on in that building, afraid that they were going to fall into hell, that God was speaking to them so graphically during that message. Today, Northampton, Massachusetts, is known as Lesbianville, USA. Think about it. The fire used to burn the fire of God in Northampton, Massachusetts. And the only thing will stop that type of thing that's happening today there is the power of God. In the 1600s, there was a plague in Europe, especially England. 450 people a week were dying in London. And it was a disease, the, 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 the big plague that they had. And it would start with a fever, and then they'd break out in sores all over their body, and their blood would be diseased, and these sores would puff out and have pus in them, and they would break, and the pus smelled bad. And so they figured out that if they went out and they got a handful of this little flower and put it in their pockets, the aroma on the fire of the flower would overcome some of the smell of the bubonic plague that they were fighting. <clears throat> and the kids, though, they made a game out of it. The flowers was posies. And they said, Ring around the rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down dead. They'd all fall down to the ground. You probably played that in your life. 450 people dying a day, and they're making a game out of it. People are dying and going to hell, and we're making a game out of Christianity. We don't take it serious. We don't realize people are dying every day and going to hell without Christ. <clears throat> the plague's going on. Children are playing. The world's dying and going to hell, and we're just playing. Our nation is going to the devil. And if you don't know that, you have your head in the sand. We are amusing ourselves to death. 
<clears throat> Years ago, the, they did not have railroad crossings like they have today, and they would hire these men to stand at each of the crossings, and when a train came, they would light their lantern and go out and swing the lantern so all the cars would stop and not cross the track till the train went by. This one day, this train came by, and the lantern guy, there was no light there, and a car went through, and it was hit, and people were killed. They went to trial, and they put the lantern swinger on the stand. And they said, were you standing there that day? And he said, yes, I was. He says, were you swinging the lantern like you were supposed to swing it? He says, yes, I was. Finally, they finished his testimony, and he was just sweating to beat the Dickens. And somebody went up and says, what's the matter? Everything went pretty good. He said, I was so afraid that they were going to ask me, was the lantern lit? It was out of oil. And the lantern was not lit. And it was my fault that that car wrecked there in London. You know, there's a little boy in London, England, that was sitting in his chair in his living room and he was looking out the window. It's real foggy in London. And his mother walked by and says, Hey, son, what are you doing? And there was a guy outside that had this little thing on a big stick. It had a little fire in the end of it. And he was lighting the street lights with the little stick. And the little boy answered his mother. And he says, I'm watching the man outside poke holes in the darkness. You may not think you're much but you're the fire of God for somebody. Are you going to let it die? Are you not going to be what God wants you to be? Are you not going to live for God? Are you not going to be a soul winner? <clears throat> Are you not? To whom much is given, much should be required. You kids at Fairhaven have been given a lot. Don't wait until you're out of college. and say, As soon as I get out of college, man, I'm going to be a great soul winner. If you don't win somebody to end college, you won't be a great soul winner. Everybody's going to wait till later to do something for God. Why not do something for God this week? Well, after Thanksgiving's all over, then I'll do something for God. What about during Thanksgiving? What about now? Talk to people. We ought to always be thinking, 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 thinking. How can I be a blessing? <clears throat> Wake up in the morning and say, God, somebody in Chester is looking for you. Lord, if you'll lead them by my path or lead me by their path, help me to be aware of it. And God, if you'll let me know, I'll talk to them about you. I'll tell them about you. Can we have every head bowed, please, and every eye closed a moment? Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit's power would be upon each of these young people here today at Fairhaven Baptist College. And God, I pray that you would help us to not let the fire go out. Lord, that we would get the altar clean, that we would get things cleaned up and, and pray and have the fire of God upon our lives. Oh God, may you do something to our hearts. Help us to be on fire for thee.